Well, hello, church. It's so exciting that this weekend we're going to be back in the book of Acts. So please turn to the book of Acts. We're looking at chapter 6, verse 8 to 7, 60. So we're going through 68 verses of scripture today. So please pray for me. Obviously, we can't go through every single verse, but I want to look at the example of Stephen. An absolutely incredible example of a man who lived for Christ. His life should really be a great encouragement to us today in the church. So please turn to your Bibles there. I'm sure you're familiar with the name Stephen and maybe a little bit of his story. We're going to look at it today and a few things that we can learn from his example. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful, God, that we can open up your word and see incredible examples of faithfulness, of boldness, uh, God, of, of men and women uh, living for Christ, God. Would we be men and women who live for Christ? Lord, fill us again. Help us, O oh God, even now to see your scriptures, be instructed by your scriptures, and be transformed by your scriptures. Lord, we love you, and we need your help in all these things. And so we ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. So we've seen a lot in the book of Acts so far. What an incredible book. We've seen as the church has grown, the witness of Christ is expanding as well. And the witness of Christ, as more believers um, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, are going out and sharing the good news of Christ. It's wonderful. But as uh, the church is growing, the persecution is growing as well. In chapter 4, verse 17 and 21, we see that the Christians were warned for preaching the gospel. In chapter 5, verse 40, we see that they were beaten for preaching the gospel. And now in chapter 7, verse 57, we see that they are killed for preaching the gospel. The message hasn't changed. All the way through the early church and up until now, the message has remained the same, but the persecution has increased. And this is where we find ourselves here today, Stephen, who becomes the first martyr of the church. Stephen was an absolutely incredible servant of the church and to Christ. Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, gives him an absolutely incredible raving review of his character. And so we can see in the beginning of chapter 6 and even into 7, the kind of person that Stephen was and who he was in Christ. We see that in chapter 6, verse 5, he was a man that was full of faith. Full of faith. We see this word full repeatedly talking about Stephen. We see also in chapter 6, verse 5, and chapter 7, verse 55, that he was full of the Holy Spirit. We see in 6 verse 8 that he was full of grace and power. Not just power, but also full of grace. And in 6.10 that he had great wisdom. Stephen was a deacon, not by title. The title deacon had not yet been established, but in function he was a deacon. He was to serve tables, serve the poor, do the hands and the feet of the ministry so that the apostles could dedicate themselves to prayer and the teaching of the word. He was a deacon. This is what he did, and yet look at his character nonetheless. Luke writes 
about Stephen the same way that Luke writes about Jesus Christ in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, 40 and 52. The same language that he applies to Jesus, he is now applying to Stephen. That's an amazing testimony, that he was filled with wisdom. He has such high regard for Stephen. And why would Luke refer to Stephen in this way? It's because Stephen was saved by Christ and was becoming more and more like Christ. He was full of Christ. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He had been transformed by Christ and he allowed Christ to fill him completely. He became like Christ in his actions. And when you become like Christ, you become filled with faith. You become filled with the Holy Spirit. You become filled with grace and power and wisdom. And oh, we can be filled with so many things in this world. Pride, worldly ideas and philosophies, sexuality, lust, power, malice, jealousy, hopelessness, helplessness, anger. And the reason why we can be filled with these things is because we allow them to consume us. We go out and we seek these things and we eat off these things and we fill ourselves up with these things and and then we wonder why we're filled with all of these worldly things. And we know from the very mouth of Christ in Matthew 7, uh, 17, he says that every healthy tree produces good fruit, but the diseased tree produces bad fruit. Every healthy tree is going to produce good fruit. If you're filled with Christ, it will lead to doing things like Christ. If you're not filled with Christ, it will lead to doing things not like Christ. And not Stephen. He was full of Christ. And so here's the big question that we really need to ask ourselves. What am I full of? What am I filled with? What am I consumed with? What do I allow to fill my mind and my heart and my soul? What am I filled with? Well, church, I pray that we'd be filled with Christ. And so I have have five things today we're going to go through. Five things that I see in the life of Stephen that should be true for all of us. That can be true for all of us if we believe, if we are filled with Christ. If we are filled with Christ. Here's the first one. I will know the word of God. When I'm filled with Christ, I will know the word of God. Look at the incredible knowledge that Stephen had from the word of God. It was in him. It was through him. And at a moment's notice, he was able to preach this sermon that was seemingly unprepared. He was accused of things and he was brought before the council we see at the end of uh, chapter 6. And they wanted to put him to death. But even as they sat him down and they looked at him, his his face was like an angel. And he was so filled with wisdom, we see in verse 10, that they could not withstand in the way in which he was speaking. It seems that he was asked this question and then he preached this unprepared sermon, the longest in the book of Acts. But that's not fully true, is it? He had been preparing for it. He didn't know when he would need to preach this message. 
He didn't know the circumstances in which he would be in when he preached this message, but he already had the words to say. He was full of the word of God. Stephen here preaches the longest speech that's recorded in the book of Acts. Under distress, two people who wanted to kill him, he preaches this message. Remarkable. It's bold, it's powerful, full of the Spirit. Stephen knew Christ. He'd been saved by the gospel, and now he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the person who is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, who is consumed by Christ, they love the Word of God. Stephen loved the Word of God, and he knew the Word of God. He preaches this message and with incredible detail, quoting scripture directly and perfectly, preaches this sermon going through the history of Israel and the work of what God did. Incredible. Incredible. It was at the tip of his tongue, ready to go. Do you know that the word of God changes us? Do you know that it can change you? That this is what the word of God does. It transforms us. There was a study done in in the United States that showed the effects of uh, reading or listening to the Bible. Um, It was really, really really interesting. And uh, and what they found is, by surprise, what they found was, if, if you were exposed to the Word of God once in a week, so that could be right now, I've told you to open up your Bibles, and this is your one exposure, your one time exposure this week to the Word of God. They said, if it's only once in a week, Um, what they found in their survey was that the change in your life was negligible, that it actually didn't do much. They also found that people who were in the word of God twice a week, there wasn't much more improvement. Also, with three times a week, there wasn't much improvement. But then something happened when you would read your Bible or listen to your Bible four times in a week. All of a sudden, the, the, the graph spikes Things change dramatically when you're in the word of God four times a week. I don't know why this is. They don't know why this is. But all of a sudden, there's a massive change in the behaviors of the people who are in the word of God four times a week. I'm so glad that in our small group ministries, we have the reading schedule, which compels our people to be in the word of God four times a week. Why? Because the word of God is what changes you. Up on the screen here, I'm going to give you a couple of their findings for what happens when you're in the Word of God four times times in a week. Look at this, 57% lower odds of drunkenness when you're in the Word of God four times a week. 68% chance lower odds of fornication. 61% lower odds of viewing pornography. 47% lower odds of gambling. Any of these things struggle, do you struggle with? Because the answer is reading the word of God, knowing the word of God. It transforms your life. It softens your heart to the the truths of God. And it, it, it compels you to live righteously and in a way that is pleasing to God. When we look at the life of Stephen and the incredible witness of Christ he is, and we long to have the boldness that he has to preach this message, and then we look at our own lives and we see the sin and the addiction and the complacency and the fear. The question is, 
when you've struggled with these things, have you sought counsel from the word of God? Have you been filled with Christ and been filled with the word? Christian, go to the word daily. Allow it to transform your life. Listen, this is so important. There's nothing that Stephen had that we do not have today. We can be filled with Christ. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. Will you fill yourself with the word of God? There is nothing that God is unable to use you for. But being filled with the word and having it on your lips, oh, how sweet that is. And we can't fake this. We can't fake this. You, you, you can't make this up. You can't, you can't fast forward maturity. You have to do the hard work. You need to get in the word of God. We can't fake this. I, this is a wonderful story. I saw someone just last Sunday try to fake this. Uh, I was up north with my family at NBC, uh, Muskoka Bible uh, Conference, and uh, we were just there for the day. And uh, me and my son were going on a little walk, and they have a marina down there, and we were walking over uh, the bridge, and uh, just behind us was this brother and sister. It must have been, you know, 14, 13 years old each. And uh, they were kind of bickering and arguing, as, as siblings do, about something. And uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but I think he wanted his fishing rod back, something like that. And so he's saying to her, give it back to me, give it back to me, give it back to me. And she said, no, no, no. And, th and they were fighting, and I, I was just ignoring them, but you could hear them. It was hard not to. And eventually she says, fine, I'll give it back to you, but you have to swear on the name of God that you'll get, let me have it again. I was like, whoa, I can't believe someone just said that. And then he says, rightly, he says, no, that's like the one thing you're not supposed to do. You can't swear on the name of God. I'm not supposed to do that. But she persisted. No, swear on the name of God. Swear on the name of God. You must swear on the name of God that you will do this. And he said, no. And she said, one more time, do it. Swear on the name of God. And he said, very confidently and very boldly, he said, Psalm 17, 5, you shall not swear on the name of God. And I was like, wow, like I was shocked. This young man was pulling out scripture, which seemed like from the tip of his tongue on the top of his head to rebuke his sister in what God would have him to do. But then I, I started thinking after my initial shock, I was like, wait a second. Actually, Psalm 17 to Psalm 20 was in our reading plan that week. And, and I just read it. And I thought, wait a second, I don't remember reading that. And, and as I thought about it more, I thought, you know what? That doesn't sound like something that would be in the Psalms. And so then I, I continued on my walk. And on our way back, they were still there. And, and, I, and I walked past them. And I, and I said to them, they could hear me. And they looked at me. And I said, you know, my steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. They both looked at me very confused. And then I replied, you know, that's Psalm 17, verse 5. And uh, the boy was very embarrassed, but it was to the absolute delight of the sister. You see, we can't fake our knowledge of the word of God. It's not just enough to make something up and put a verse behind it. No, we need to know it. And we'll know it when we're in it. Can you be in the word of God four times a week? Let it change your life. Let it change your life. We'll be filled with the word when we are filled with Christ and we seek counsel from his word. Second point from the life of Stephen and what we see in his great example is that when I'm filled with Christ, point number two, I will be filled with the wisdom of the Spirit of God. I will be filled with the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Again, be filled with Christ. Allow the wisdom of God to fill you up as it did fill up Stephen. What will you be filled with, Christian? 
What wisdom are you seeking? What philosophy are you adhering to? Have faith. Ask for the wisdom of God and he will fill you up with it. Pray like it says to pray in James chapter 1 and James chapter 1 and God will fill you with wisdom. A sweet sister in Christ prayed this week, Lord, fill us with the wisdom of Solomon, the wisest man other than Christ who ever walked the face of the earth. Why can't we pray these prayers? Lord, fill me with the wisdom of Solomon. God is able. God is able. When you have the wisdom of Christ, you see, the lens that's put in front of your eyes changes. It changes the way you see the world. It changes the way you view people. It changes the way we view everything, really. You see, when we have the lens of Christ on, when we have the wisdom of God, when we have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit on, we have this this lens that no longer sees or judges people by rich or poor by the color of their skin, if they're educated or uneducated, if they're young or they're old, or if they're sick or they're healthy. The, the lens of Christ doesn't allow us to judge people in these ways. We, we recognize that there's differences in the world, but this isn't the main focus. This isn't what's most important or eternal. With the lens of Christ, with the wisdom that comes from God, we see the world in two ways. We see the world as either redeemed or unredeemed. You see, our hearts rejoice for all those who've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and have been saved and have been redeemed, and our heart breaks for the world that has not yet believed in the gospel. The wisdom that comes from God teaches us that we are now living sacrifices, that we identify now as a believer in Jesus Christ. That is who we are. That Christ has become a sacrifice to us and now we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices back to God. That in everything we do, that with everything that happens to us, we are to use everything to further the gospel and the glory of God. That is our new purpose. That is our new identity. That is the lens that is on us because we know that the gospel is the only saving grace that this world that is filled with hatred and sin The gospel is the only truth that can set any person free. The gospel is the wisdom of God. It says that all of us are slaves to sin. All of us are destined to an eternity in hell because of our rebellion and our hatred of righteousness. But God in his rich mercy, in his great love, God in whose wisdom and knowledge is so incredibly rich, He paid the penalty through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. See, if you are a redeemed person, you have an incredible inheritance. You have incredible wealth. If you're a redeemed person in Jesus Christ, if if your identity is in Jesus Christ, you have an incredible inheritance. You are a child of the living God. First, number one a child of the living God who has a place prepared for you, who has riches that surpass the wealth of all of the world combined, who is sovereign over your entire life, who loves you so deeply that he sent his son to die for you. This is the wisdom of Christ. This is the wisdom of God. And this wisdom that we have, once it's transformed our hearts, it compels us to share it. It compels us to share it. 
And this leads us to our next point that we see in Stephen's life here. Is that if I'm, when I'm filled with Christ, I will be a bold witness of Christ. I will be a bold witness of Christ. I love how he takes the opportunity to preach this message. Do you see that? Right at the beginning of chapter 7, it says, The high priest said, Are these things so? All these accusations, Stephen, they, they brought up these accusations against you. Are these things so? They ask him this yes or no question. They're really just asking him, Stephen, yes or no? Are these things so? And he responds with the longest sermon in Acts. This is what happens when you give a preacher a microphone, okay? They can't stop talking about the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. Stephen couldn't hold himself back. You ask me a question about Jesus, here we go. The floodgates are opened. Jesus um, has filled Stephen with the Holy Spirit and he has become the boldest preacher that the church has yet seen at this point. In the face of death, he preaches the truth. There's no holding him back. The truth that is within him is greater than the mob that was seeking to kill him. The truth of the gospel, when it fills a person as it has Stephen, is so compelling, so life-changing, that there is nothing that can get in the way of it being proclaimed. What are you filled with? Church, what are you filled with? John 7, 38 says, Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's not even just a filling, it's an overflowing. When you're filled with Christ, you become such a bold witness for Christ because your whole being in your belief in him now flows out living water as a river flows not just a trickling from the tap, not just a little creek or a little stream, but a river, a river of living water flowing from your heart. And this is what we see on display in Stephen. He's asked this question, but he can't resist because from his heart is flowing a river of living water. And he preaches the truth of who God is. Have you believed in Jesus? Are you filled with Jesus? Allow this river to flow out from you as well. Being filled with Christ and the gospel is actually not just this filling. It's an overflowing, and that can be so true in your life as well. This is what's happening to Stephen. Earlier, I quoted that study about reading the Bible, and I showed you that when we engage in the word of God four times, our lives are transformed and we, and, we, and we find ourselves, we see that people don't fall into sin in the same way because the word of God has transformed them. But it's not just about getting us out of sin, it is, but it's also about pushing us on to righteousness. It's also about pushing us on to godliness and our calling as believers. We need the word of God and it creates us to be a bold witness of Christ. Listen to these numbers up on the screen again from the same study. Look at this. When you read the word of God four times a week, you are 228% more likely to share your faith with others. 228%. Just because you've been in the word of God four times in a week. How about this one? 231% more likely for you to disciple others. It's amazing. That's amazing. You know, in our church right now, we need leaders. We need small group leaders. We need people to step up. And I can tell you, you might think, well, that can't be me. 
But the reality is, is that the only difference between any person and someone who is a discipling person is reading the word of God. God can use you. Will you be filled with his word? Will you be a bold witness? And look at this one. 407% more likely to memorize scripture. Isn't this so obviously apparent in Stephen's life? He knew the word of God. Is it not obvious that he, that he was in the word and in the scriptures constantly? He could quote it verbatim. He knew the word of God. And look at the courage he has as he stands up before these people who want to kill him. He has this courage because he has the knowledge of scripture. He shares his faith boldly with all. His bold faith in the words that were being preached here in chapter 7 were heard by none other than Saul of Tarsus, who then would become the Apostle Paul, as we'll see in the coming weeks. What a powerful witness that Stephen was. This transitional figure in the book of Acts that goes from the early church into the mission and calling of Paul. We see in here, we see that Stephen the deacon went to Stephen the preacher. Stephen the deacon became Stephen the preacher, and boy, could he preach. Number four, let's keep going here. Number four, when I'm filled with Christ, I will always love my enemies. I will always love my enemies. This is a direct byproduct of being filled with Christ. You will love your enemies. Loving our enemies is exactly the thing that Christians do. This is what, part of what sets us apart in the world. We, we love those who hate us. And this is exactly what Stephen did. He did it in a few ways. Look how respectful he was. Look how respectful he was. Look at verse 2 of chapter 7. Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. He's appealing to them. He, brothers and fathers, he's being respectful. He's loving them just in the way he's speaking. And throughout his, throughout his sermon here, he continually refers back to our fathers did this. Our fathers, our common heritage. He's appealing to them. He was respectful. He's also loving them by preaching the truth. See, he could have preserved his life. Instead of preaching this chapter-long sermon, he, he could have just said, no, these things aren't true. I'll be on my way. I'll go back home. I have no involvement with them anymore. We're good. All right, see you later. He could have preserved his life, and many people might have looked at that and been like, well, that would have been a good thing to do, but no, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. He, he loved them by preaching the truth to them. The most loving thing he could have done is preach the truth to them. He could not deny his involvement with the church. He could not deny the love that he had with Christ. And he loved them by telling them the only truth that was able to save them as well. He loved them by counting his own life as less significant than theirs. He loved them by showing that the truth that he was sharing was more important than his own life. What an example. What an example. And he loved them to the very end. It didn't matter what they were going to do with him. He was seeking their salvation. He wanted them to know the truth. He was bold and he was straightforward with them. But he saw the world as redeemed and unredeemed. And he was going after those unredeemed souls, seeking their salvation. Look what he says in chapter 7, verse 60. He says, and falling to his knees, he cried with a loud voice. This is right before he dies. 
after they've stoned him and thrown rocks at his head, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He was asking for the Lord to forgive them for the murder they were about to commit against him. And this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It sounds awfully familiar, and, and that's because it's, it's the same thing Jesus did. Jesus, when he was on the cross, being murdered for a crime he didn't commit, completely innocent, and when, and when the guards were um, dividing up his clothing as he laid naked, bare on the cross, he said to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen is full of Christ. And in his death, he shows the love and the compassion that even Christ has for his greatest enemies, those who are murdering him, filled with hate and want to kill him. This is what happens when we're filled with Christ. We don't see our enemies as people that we wish harm on, or we don't see our enemies as people who um, deserve the worst or that we hate or, or whatever. That's not how we see the world anymore. We see them as unredeemed people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that is the only hope for them. We want them to receive the same grace that we have received. And why is this? Why is this? It's because... The Christian knows that they are no better than them. Because we know in our heart, we know in our heart, Christians, we know that without Christ in our heart, changing our heart, renewing our minds, what we're capable of. We see the unredeemed person and we have pity and also we want to give them the truth of the gospel so that they may receive redemption as we have received it. See, we have nothing to boast about. What we have received is a gift from God. It is his work that has changed us, and it is, and it is his work that is able to change anyone. What enemies do you have? How do you view them? Can you think of anyone that you really, really dislike, whether you know them personally or not? What do you wish for them truly with the mind of Christ in you? See, the gospel is the only weapon that when fired, it, it has the potential of turning an enemy into family. And this is what we seek to do. This is what we seek to do, to be filled with Christ and to love our enemies. And here's our last point. When I'm filled with Christ, I will not fear death. I will not fear death. See, death is not the end for the one who is filled with Christ. Stephen was so overwhelmingly aware of this truth. He was aware of it from the beginning of his sermon right up until the end of his sermon when they picked up rocks to stone him. He did not fear death and either should we. Because of the filling of Christ that Stephen had, even in the last moments, all he could see was Jesus. That's all that he could see. Look in verse... Uh, 56 of chapter 7, it says this, and, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. All he could see is his Savior. 
All he could see is his Savior. And then in verse 59 as well, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. No fear in death. No fear in death. And in that moment, we saw Stephen the deacon, who became Stephen the preacher, became Stephen the martyr. He died for his faith because it was so worth it. So worth it to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Believer, this is true for you. This is true for you. As we leave this mortal body, as we, as we die, we don't come into judgment if we've believed, but we've passed from death to life. That's the hope that we have. The Apostle Paul, who we mentioned, he oversaw this. We see that in chapter 8, verse 1. He approved of it. He later writes in his letter to Ephesians, as he come, becomes the Apostle Paul, he, la- he later writes in, in chapter 1, verse 22 of, of Philippians, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In death there is gain for the believer. Why? Because death means that we will be with the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you this, being with the Lord Jesus right now is a definite upgrade on any circumstance you might find yourself in. Of course there is a longing to stay here and do the work of Christ. There's a longing to stay here and do the mission that God has called us to, but oh, when the Lord calls us home, how sweet that moment will be. And none of us should dread that moment, but look forward to it. And if we could die with the words of God on the tip of our lips, what a blessing that would be as well. Christian, church, be filled with Christ. Be filled with wisdom. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and of faith and with grace and power. Be used by God as you know his word and proclaim it boldly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the bold, incredible witness of Stephen's life. Lord, I thank you, God, that the same Holy Spirit that filled him and gave him that boldness, Holy Spirit, you're available to us now, God. You seek to teach us and train us and help us, God, and and to renew our hearts and minds. And Lord, would we be living sacrifices for your mission? God, give us this joy that even in the face of death, we can see our Savior. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your compassion towards us. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.